First, uh, Second Corinthians. I think we quit with uh, verse 10 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And the Lord has blessings reading that portion of Second Corinthians. So, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And that is absolutely his connection with the Lord. And that's how real it is to him, to the Apostle Paul. And this, so the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. His connection is absolutely identifying with the Lord. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. So he's talking about himself and those working with him. And I'm sure that's not everybody, but it's, but it's those that are that committed to Christ. That they're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Not because they're bad, but for Jesus' sake. Because uh, John on the Isle of Patmos, because of the word of God. And there's the Apostle Paul. And so that, it just, I have to say, just that close connection, that close commitment to the Lord. I know we make, we don't like some of the appeals that we hear from some preachers, but but when you say commit yourself to the Lord, I'm not sure that I can convince anybody to commit themselves to the Lord. I don't think I can. But do we need to commit ourselves to the Lord? And the absolute fact is absolutely. We need to commit ourselves to the Lord. Uh, I mean, it's getting... It's getting later than you think. I mean, hang your, look over 2 Samuel 19. 
Now, Brother Tim, I'm not going to get on your thunder here. I'm not going to steal your thunder. Second Tim, Second Samuel 19. And this is back in the time of David. In verse 31. Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogelum and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now, now Barzillai was a very aged man. Now that's what I want you to see. He was a very aged man. Even four score years. I'll be right there in less than two months. Huh? 18th of next month, of October. That's less than two months. And the king said unto Barzillai, well, when I, he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanim, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I may not live long enough to get up there. (laughs) I am this day fourscore years old. And can I discern between good and evil? Can Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore, why then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord the King? And I said, <laughs> I guess it's later than I think, isn't it? I don't know how much more time any of us have. Don't know how much more time I have. But if we're going to get anything done for the Lord, we better get committed now. Don't have much time left. I don't know how much it will be. Anyway, uh, let's see. Verse 11, we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, that, that we're going to show people that Jesus is alive in our flesh is headed for the grave. Mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. Because we're, we're at jeopardy every moment like that. We're doing it for your benefit. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Ah, it looks to me like you, you speak. According to how you believe. Well. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus. And we know who that is. The eternal God. Shall raise up us also. By Jesus. And shall present us with you. 
for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Redound, reverberate unto the glory of God. For which cause we thank not. Now he's used that a couple times here. Because of this ministry that we've received, we faint not. Here again, we faint not. Because of all of what we've got in our near future. But though our outward man perish, he's talking about the body dying. And he said, I die daily. He's dying and we bear, uh, they, look at Romans 8, they, they kill us all the day long. Yet the inward man, that's the real me, it's renewed day by day. And that's why the Apostle Paul can, in the book of Philippians, and talk, what did he say, 16, 17 times? Rejoice. In shackles in a stinking dungeon. And I say again, rejoice. And that's why, because the inward man is renewed day by day. God does his work of grace within you, and he's working in you. And that that must be shown outwardly. And look what he says now. For our light. Affliction. That's a heavy weight. No, no, Paul said it's a light one. <laughs> it's very light. What's he talking about? Prison, whippings, beatings, stonings, hatreds. That's our light affliction. The boy, I'm just, I'm just depressed. Huh? Paul wasn't depressed over all that, not a bit. He said it's a light affliction. Which is but for a moment. <laughs> well, I don't know how long, I don't know how old Paul was when he died, 65, 68, I don't know. Something in there. How long, how old was he when he was saved? I don't know, something 40, I don't know. You know, brother? I don't really know. I don't think about knows for sure, but. I'm sure his ministry was some, some 20, 25 years. And he suffered that whole time. He said, but our light affliction is but for a moment. Well, 25 years evidently to him was a moment. Wasn't much at all. Well, and then when you, guard, when you get to compare your life to eternity, exactly how long is it? Not very long. Not at all. Moses said we spend our days as a tale that was told. James said that our life is a vapor that appeareth but a little while and then vanishes away. How fast has your life gone, Christine? It's, 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 I don't know. Mama, you won't believe it. I'm 80 years old. <laughs> if she was here, I said, Mama, what happened to me? 
I ain't supposed to be this old. Didn't, didn't take long for it to get there. I remember getting to be 16 like to never happened. It just wouldn't come. That's all I can do to remember it now. But our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You say, well, he's, he's speaking symbolically or uh, metaphorically here. No, not really. Not really. It works, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal, now look at his language here, weight of glory. Get his, get his irony there? Our light affliction is all this we're going through. But what's working out here is eternal weight of glory. <laughs> and that's going to be permanent. Well, while we look not at the things which are seen, and boy, if that won't depress you, But we ain't even looking at those things. But at the things which are not seen. What are those things? Oh, those are the things in the spiritual world. <laughs> For the things which are seen are temporary. Temporal. Temporary. Yeah, they really are. About every time we go through a, a part of Lexington or the Fayette County that we haven't been for a while, what, was the, what used to be there, honey? I don't know. I can't remember. And you thought they were permanent. No, 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 no. They're gone. <laughs> you don't even remember what they are. If somebody didn't take a picture of them, you'd never remember it again. <clears throat> so... The things which seen are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What a beautiful contrast. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, that's the word for tent. Do you know your body is a tent? That's what he says, our earthly house of this tent. If it were dissolved, don't worry about that. A tent ain't going to last forever. I guess the longest lasting tent that ever was was the tabernacle in the wilderness. It lasted for some 500 years. Don't know that you've ever heard of another tent lasting that long. But that was the tabernacle according to God's plan. God's construction. But this tent, it's going to be gone. Where's it going? It's going to go the way of all the earth. It's going to go by the way of dissolution. <laughs> it's going to be dissolved. You might embalm it and put it in a copper coffin and a concrete vault and, and all of that, but it's going to be dissolved. It's going to be dissolved. 
That's all right. We have a building of God. Notice the contrast. A tent and a building. Now, what do we say about the tabernacle? It was a movable tent that was temporary. And then along came David and Solomon. He gathered the materials and Solomon put them together and built a permanent temple in Jerusalem. Albeit it wasn't really permanent. But by comparison, it was permanent. Well, we in our tent, we know when it's dissolved. That's not the end of anything for us. Because we have a building of God. <laughs> the contrast is what is what we're after there. And house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Huh. What have we got waiting for us? And why worrying us? Why are we worried about this old tent? For in this we groan. Oh, you ever groan because it hurts to get up? It hurts to put your feet on the floor? We do a lot of groaning. And we ain't the only ones. You read Romans 8, you find out that this whole earth groans. Plate tectonics. Tsunamis. Earthquakes. Volcanic eruptions, hurricanes, cyclones, tornadoes, droughts, all of these things. The earth is groaning. You see, it's in the, this earth is in the same shape we are. Because of sin... We're in a sin-cursed body. God cursed it in the Garden of Eden. But he also cursed the earth. Therefore, the earth groans. Just like us. And ain't no aspirin it can take. He said, we groan. Now, I don't think everybody knows this truth. So I don't think Paul's saying everybody's like that. I think he says, we grown. Those of us who know the truth of this. Earnestly desiring. To, to put some good clothes on. To be clothed upon with our house. Which is from heaven. We're talking about a new glorified body. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked, that is, without a body. For we that are in this tent, tabernacle, do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, not just that we get rid of this body. But clothed upon 
That's what that building. That mortality, that's death. We're mortals. We're not immortal, we're mortals. We die. You know the word mortuary comes from the Greek word morte, meaning death. Mortal, a body that dies. That's what we've got. That this mortality might be swallowed up by life. You see, we ain't really into death. We know what death is. It's the last enemy that shall be put down. And we got it coming. Death's going to be swallowed up in victory of life. Now he that hath wrought, worked. You know what wrought iron is? It's iron that's been worked and fashioned. Wrought, worked. He that hath wrought us made us for the self same thing is God who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit and I remember years ago tiny Satan bless her heart just in case I didn't understand it she wanted me to know what Earnest meant. She had just gotten her real estate license and she wanted me to know what earnest money is. It is not a down payment. It is a guarantee that you're going to make the deal. So it's not a down payment. Now, several times, I over in Ephesians. The first chapter. I don't guess anybody here remembers when she got her real estate license. That's <laughs> been a while. How'd I remember that? Huh? Uh, Ephesians 1. 13, in whom you also trusted, after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Well, what that is, is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, that's the earnest of our purchased possession. See the real estate discussion here. Not a, not a down payment. It wasn't no down payment. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a guarantee that we're going to get it. He's given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That we're really earnest 
and the Lord's really earnest about he's purchased a building for us in heaven. <clears throat> Therefore, because of what he's just been telling us, we are always confident. Our confidence doesn't waver. You don't want confidence that wavers. Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. No, no, that's, that's too tough. I can't stand that. He said we're always confident. Knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, Dwelling in this old dilapidated tent, <laughs> we're absent from the Lord. In the body. He's spiritually here. He's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, we're not separated from him. He's not in the body. For we walk by faith, not by sight. How do I know that? Well, I know it from the word of God, and I have confidence in the Lord and in his word. Amen. There's my faith. Now, the governor's campaigning to run for governor again, get him elected for governor again. He said his faith guides him. One of his faith guided him to open up all them abortion mills. It may have. But my faith doesn't lead me that way. Anyhow, we walk by faith, not by sight. People say, I want some sign that I'm saved. No, no. Salvation is by grace through faith, not signs. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my father's hand. My father which gave me them is greater than all. I and my father are one. Amen. Now, what more do you need? I've trusted Christ just as the word says. And so by faith, I believe him. I don't say, Lord, I believe you, but I think you're a liar. If you say, okay, I believe you, Lord. Now give me a sign. You're making a liar out of him. Salvation is by grace through faith. And he said, we walk by faith, not by sight. And he says, verse 8, We are confident, I say. Now look at this one. Willing? <laughs> we are confident. And willing, rather, 
Philippians 1, 23 says, For I am in a strait. A strait is a narrow. S-T-R-A-I-T. Not A-I-G-H-T. It's A-I-T. Have you ever heard of the Straits of Magellan around South America? It's a narrow place in the ocean. Land close by on both sides. Dangerous to pass through there with the ship. Straight, narrow. Paul said, I'm in a narrow place. He said, for I am in having a desire to depart. I mean, he, want, he wants to go be with the Lord. And to be with Christ, which is far better. I think probably the older you get, you probably understand what he's talking about. Amen. And what about these people in a nursing home and everybody they've ever known, been loved and kin to? They're all dead. They're there by themselves and just have to depend on everybody to do everything for them and all that. You know, but even without all that, Paul said, I'm in a straight. I, I, I want to depart. But, he said, uh, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you and having this confidence. I know that I shall abide, continue with you all for your furthest and joy of faith. So, I have a desire to depart. But it's more needful for y'all that I hang around for a while. But now, we're at home in the body. We're absent from the Lord. But we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. Now what that means is to, be, to die. This is not some cultic mass suicide thing God doesn't talk about that this is natural this is real to be absent from the body because we know that it is to be present with the Lord now notice what he's talking he's talking about physical and spiritual temporary permanent Tent building. Wherefore we labor. That whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now here are the acceptance that he's talking about. Not whether we're going to be saved or not. But the very next verse clears that up. Whether we labor, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent. Here we're absent from him. There we're present with him. We may be accepted of him. Well-pleasing is what that means. For or because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
Now you want a shock. Look up these commentators on that verse. The judgment seat of Christ. I'm not going to say all of them. I'm just going to say a majority. I haven't looked at all of them. But I've looked at some. And every one I've looked at, including Gill and some of the others, they say this is the same thing as going on in Revelation 20. That would be a general judgment. Uh, George Boyer, he's been dead for some time. I had the message in print, and I don't know if I've loaned it out or something. He had a message years ago, five phony generals. One of his phony generals was a general salvation. Another was a general church. Another was a general resurrection. Another was a general judgment. And I don't know that I can remember the fifth one. Well, to preach a general judgment would say that it's all one time for everybody. But that ain't what the Bible teaches. Now look, look at the context here. He said we must all. Who's he writing to? The church of God which is at Corinth. He says brethren. He's talking to saved people. As much as he can know he's talking to saved people. We think we know and we may know. But we're not the judge. God is. We think we're talking to save people. Paul is talking to save people. We must. All, not everybody in the world. They need to quit applying the Bible to everybody in the world. It doesn't apply to everybody in the world. We must all appear before the bema. That's the Greek word there. Judgment. Seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, how about that context? That's talking to saved people, folks. Look back at 1 Corinthians 3 real quick. I don't have a lot of time left. First Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said in verse 9, you all are God's building, that's the church at Corinth. He said he's a wise master builder, but he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He said, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I've said for Many, many years. Jesus Christ is not the foundation of our salvation. He is not the foundation of our salvation. Because you see, a foundation is no good unless you build on it. Jesus Christ is our salvation. 
lock, stock, and barrel, and you ain't building on your salvation. Neither am I. He completely redeemed us from our sins by his person and his work. But here's what he's saying. If any man build upon this foundation, which ain't your salvation, it's a building. You're building a life of service. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made. Works. We're talking works here. Salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. Not by the works of the law. We labored on that this morning. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And here's how it's going to try it. If any man's work abide, remains, after the fire goes out, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Now when the fire hits it, the works, gold, silver, precious stones, that'll remain. That'd be good works. Wood, hair, stubble, they'll be gone. And that's a lack of rewards, not salvation. So we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And only saved people will appear before that. I don't have time to go to Revelation 20, but you read that great white throne, and there ain't nothing dished out there, but there is the casting of permanent, permanent judgment in the lake of fire. And the smoke of their torment shall ascend up forever and ever. And that's all rich men, lost men, uh, big men, small men. Anyway, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may be uh, receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. The same God, well, read in Hebrews, when he talks about, chapter 10, he talks about the sin unto death. The man picked up sticks on the Sabbath. Well, look what he says about Hebrews 10. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Surely you know that saved people. But exhorting one another so much the more as to see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. I mean, God is the God of judgment. Amen. The same God that judges the heathen will also judge us. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy unto two or three witnesses. Back in Numbers. And how much more severe punishment, so suppose you, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God 
and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. He's not talking about lost people. Lost people can't uh, 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 try it underfoot the Son of God. Lost people can't count the blood of the covenant wherewith they're sanctified. Lost people haven't been sanctified with the blood of the covenant. Only saved people have. And done despite to the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace doesn't live in lost people. For we know him that has said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will reward, recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge whom? His people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Saying the same thing. Now. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Get it together. Let's get something going for the Lord before the before your life is gone. Before that tent is rotted off. I'll quit there. We'll take it up next time. Huh?